Um, I want to thank you all for coming out to hear the word this morning. I know that there are a lot of things that you can be doing this morning, but instead you came out and you chose to hear the word of God. You know, I often say that how important it is to um, read the word of God, how to, um, how important it is to study the word of God. All right, because... The devil is constantly coming at God's people with so many different tactics, all right? And I'm going to be honest with you from a general standpoint, he has mastered many of these tactics, okay? He has been around for a very long time and he has his own little powerful army. It's very powerful. Okay? That's why we need to study the word. Okay? We need to listen to the word. Because the Bible is like our shield and it's like our sword okay what do I mean by that what I mean is that we use the Bible as a sword in the fact that we try to spread the gospel we know that alright we've been to church we've seen the pastor read the Bible to us. We've seen Christian um, ministries on TV. We know how the Bible is used offensively. Offensively, rather I should say, not offensively. <laughs> but the Bible is also used as a shield so that when the devil or anyone who is of the devil comes up against you and tries to come up against the word, you can combat that person with the word of God. Whatever the situation may be. All right. Because even though, yes, the devil has its own powerful army, his own powerful army, all right, and even though the devil has been around for a very long time, you have to realize that, all right, God has been around longer. And God's army is even more powerful than the devil. All right? And when we study the word of God, when we listen to the word of God, okay, we are gaining more knowledge about God. All right. As soldiers in the Lord's army, the Bible is our military doctrine. All right. We study the Bible just like Every soldier, every warrior needs to study 
its military doctrine so it can be familiar with how it's supposed to fight so it can be experienced so it can gain experience in how it's supposed to fight so it can know what it's what is expected of him all right And believe me, when God sees you study his word, God loves seeing it when his people studies his word. Because as sad as it is to say, not a lot of people study his word anymore. They call themselves Christians. They... Or they may come up with an excuse that says, you know, oh, I don't have time to study. I'm, I'm always working. I'm always doing something. I don't have time to study. That's nonsense. All right. As Christians, it is our responsibility to always put God first. Okay. You make time for God. You make time for God. All right. So God sees that, you know, you are studying the word and God appreciates that. He likes that. Okay. Because I'm going to refer back to refer back to the life as a soldier. Okay. Yes, a soldier is expected to train, okay? It's expected of a soldier to train, okay? But when that but when that soldier superior sees that soldier training in his own time, that soldier could be doing anything he wants to do. But when that soldier is training in his own time. That's, that soldier superior is going to say, you know what? He's going to make a fine soldier one day. Might not say it to his face, but he knows, hey, someday he's going to make a fine soldier. I'm going to be able to rely on that guy. All right? So even though, yes, you're expected to read the word as Christians, all right, not a lot of people do that anymore. So when God sees you doing it, that's something that God, he's going to say, you know what? That's the guy that I can count on. All right. When I need something to get done, he's the guy that I can call on. All right. And <laughs> believe me, I appreciate it because I'm the one who's speaking. All right. The words. So, you know, I, I, I enjoy it when people listen to um, me bringing the word because I can do this all the time. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy everything about what I'm doing. All right. In every sense of the word, enjoy. All right. Still, the reason for this podcast is so that I may lead others to Christ Jesus. I know Christ Jesus. I have salvation. The reason why I'm doing this is so that I may lead others to Christ Jesus, so that I may lead others to Christ's salvation.
And that's funny because with that being said, it's like everything I just said, um, the introduction that I just gave, that actually coincides with today's topic that I want to talk about today. All right. Today I want to talk about battle-hardened Christian soldiers. That's the name of the topic. It's the name of today's topic. Battle-hardened Christian soldiers. How how does a Christian soldier get battle-hardened? What is a Christian soldier? How does a Christian soldier even fight? Let alone become battle-hardened. All right. You know, I was reading on the Internet, you know, as I was trying to prepare for this podcast. Um, and I came across something that I read. Um, There's a paragraph and it worded something or it said something and the way how it worded it really stood out to me, all right? Um, What I typed in was the training you need as a soldier in the Lord's army, okay? Or Or something of that nature. So the paragraph that I read, I marked it, And it said, all believers are called to be soldiers in the Lord's army. We have different responsibilities and callings, but all should be actively engaged in the battle between good and evil, righteousness and sin, light and darkness, faith and unbelief, abundance and lack, and ultimately God and Satan. Unfortunately, too many believers have dropped out of the Lord's army. They are AWOL, absent without leave, or have deserted. Others feel as though they never even enlisted. The number of believers who are not engaged as soldiers in the Lord's army is a problem for the kingdom. Fewer people are reached, supported, trained and helped. I read that and when I read that I'm like, wow, they they worded that so awesome. All right. You have to understand that the Lord's army is not just some metaphor. It is a very real thing. As as Christians, we are soldiers. We are soldiers. Okay. We are a very real army. We have our own set of military doctrine as Christians. It's the Bible. We have our own training. Okay. 
um, we do fight on a daily basis. All right. Read Ephesians chapter six. All right. A Christian may tell that to. To someone else. They may scoff at you. They may laugh at you. Some may even get offended. All right. Some may think that that you're telling some kind of some kind of mean joke and get offended. But the Lord's army is very real. All right. We don't use physical guns. All right, as Christians. In the battle that we fight, you will not see Christians picking up AR-15s. As long as this battle has been going on, you have never seen a Christian fight this battle with an M4. Okay. Um, or any other gun. You will not see in this battle that we as Christians are constantly fighting in. You will not see us riding around in Humvees. You will not see. You will not even see. Us as Christians have our own camouflage uniforms. You know, most countries, they have their own uniforms with their own style of camouflage. You will not see the Lord's army with his own uniforms. You won't. Because that's not the kind of battle that we fight. We fight a much harder battle. And we have been fighting for much longer than any other country has ever fought. And we have been fighting the longest war that has ever went on. Because the battle we fight is constantly between us and the devil. We are constantly fighting the devil and his demons and his soldiers. And from the moment that we become Christians, from the moment we receive salvation, that is when we enlist in the Lord's army. That is when we enlist in the Lord's army. All right. So how do we fight? How do we fight? What do we do? 
what do we do? You know, the Bible often tells us what our mission is as Christians in the Lord's army. I'm going to read two sets of scripture. You know, one I actually want to talk about in another episode, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read it um, right now. It tells us what our mission is, what part of our mission is as Christians and as we fight, all right? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 30. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 30. Mm. Forgive me. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13. Now, I'm going to read just this one verse. All right. Um, I know that there's. Um, more verses that go that fit along with this one verse, but I'm just going to read this one verse. All right. Because this one verse that I'm going to read. Um, sums up. Part of what our mission is as Christian soldiers in the army of the Lord. Christ Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What does that mean? I'm going to explain it to you right now. You are the salt of the earth. Who is the salt of the earth? Who is Christ... Who is Christ describing as the salt of the earth? Who is he referring to as the salt of the earth? Those who believe in Christ Jesus. All right. Christianity. All right. It wasn't around at the time. Christianity didn't come until after Christ Jesus died. All right. However, now. However, what it, what it was referring to is those who believe in Christ Jesus and what Christ Jesus was referring to describes how we as Christians need to live. So it is. So I'm going to go ahead and say that um, the salt of the earth, Christ Jesus was referring to those who are Christians. All right. You are the salt of the earth. As I said, the salt of the earth is Christ is referring to as Christians. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It referring to the earth. All right. 
we as Christians, we are put on this earth to spread the word of God, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to let people know about Christ Jesus. All right. And to serve the Lord. Okay. We as Christians are put on this earth to serve in the Lord's army. All right. Just like in any army, they have plenty of jobs. They have like tons of different jobs. Okay. Like in any army. But nevertheless, we as Christians, we are put on this earth to serve the Lord and to spread the gospel of Christ Jesus. Because overall, we have the same mission. Okay? And for Christians, it is to bring the gospel to those who do not have Christ Jesus. But if we don't spread the gospel of Christ Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, all right, and we're not spreading the gospel of Christ Jesus, we're not living for the Lord, all right, we're not doing what the Lord asks of us, all right, we're not in prayer, we're not in the word, okay, we're not living for the Lord, we're not spreading the gospel, then how shall the earth be seasoned? How is the earth going to receive the gospel? How is the earth going to receive the gospel? How is the rest of the world going to receive the gospel if we as Christians who are responsible for spreading the gospel aren't going to give the gospel? How is the rest of the world going to receive the gospel? It is then good, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If we as Christians are not going to give the gospel of Christ Jesus to the world, if we're not going to go out there and spread the gospel, then you know what? As Christians, we are good for nothing. Why are we even Christians? We might as well go back to the life of sin that we were living if we're not even going to live for the Lord. It's pointless to be a Christian if we're not even going to do what the Lord tells us to do. If we're not even going to give our lives to the Lord, if we're not even going to serve the Lord, all right, how can we possibly say, oh yeah, we're in the Lord's army. Oh yeah, you know, we have the same mission, you know. Um, do I read the Bible? No. Do I pray? No. Do I go out there and spread the gospel? No. Do I do what I'm um, expected to do as um, as a Christian? No. But I mean, yeah, you know, a long time ago, sure, I signed up to be in the Lord's army, you know, yeah, whatever. No. All right. You might as well leave right now. You might as well go back to being a sinner right now, to go back to living that old life right now, because clearly you're not doing your job. All right. Clearly, you're not serving the Lord. Okay. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read. I'm going to read starting at verses 10. All right. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10. 
This is a very, very important set of scriptures for Christian soldiers. Okay. This is a very important set of scriptures for Christian soldiers because it is a very important part of the Lord's army's military doctrine, I'll say. <laughs> I'll go as far as to say that, yes. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. Many... Many people know this set of scriptures too. They can say, they can recite this by heart. All right, but I ask you to please turn to your Bibles, anyways, and read it. Okay, uh, Ephesians chapter six, verses ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I'm going to stop right there. <clears throat> that goes back to my original question. How can a Christian possibly be battle-hardened? You know, I keep on referring back to physical armies, all right? I want to make something clear, okay? Um, I was never in the military, okay? Um, never served in the military, all right? Um, I do not know everything there is to know about the military other than, you know, from what I hear. So I try not to, well, I don't dive too deep into the military because I don't know everything about the military, all right? So I want to be clear about that. But as I said, this leads me back to my original question. How can a Christian possibly be battle-hardened, even, even if he is in this army of the Lord, this so-called army of the Lord? And I'm being sarcastic when I say that. And for those of you who don't know, who don't see me, I'm putting that in air quotes when I say the army of the Lord. All right. And I'm being sarcastic when I say that. OK. In the fact that that's that's how a lot of people actually view. The army of the Lord, they see it as some kind of metaphor, but it's not. So they say, how can a Christian possibly be battle-hardened? They don't think that, that there is a real fight going on. All right?
there are, are they are there are forgive me there are some countries in this world that often are at war a lot more than other countries all right there are some countries in this world who who are just always at war they just never see peace all right whether it be civil war or whether it be war with other countries then there are other countries that you know tend to often be involved in conflicts you know but not as much as other countries and then there are other countries that you know they might help out other countries when they are in conflict and then there are other countries that they just don't fight they just don't like to fight okay they rarely rarely ever see war okay now bear with me I'm going somewhere with this now even those countries who I just described are constantly at war who can never seem to to be at peace all right they're always fighting somebody okay whether it be a civil war <clears throat> or whether they be fighting another country even these countries there will be times when there will be some sort of small period when there is no fighting all right whether it just be by coincidence all right i don't know nobody it, maybe there, there's just like i don't know a week without fighting or whatever maybe there's a some kind of ceasefire or whatever i don't know okay or maybe for other countries you know they have their share of wartime but then they also have their share of peacetime also where they enjoy a um, considerable amount of time of peace all right and even during this period of peace their army is still consistently growing all right There's all, they're always recruiting people for their army. And please, again, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. But just because they have people in their army, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will always see combat. That doesn't necessarily mean that they will always be fighting. All right. For every country in the world, it is totally by chance that they become battle hardened. They have to have they have to be they have to happen to be in 
the specific place at the specific time. Okay. To where they're experiencing combat, to where they happen to be fighting. And then they have to come out alive. All right. And then these people say, okay, yeah, I've seen my share of combat. I've seen a lot of combat. I know what it's like to fight. Okay. And I have no problem fighting again. But not everybody can say that. Doesn't matter what army you're with, doesn't matter what branch you're with, doesn't matter if you're in some kind of special forces or whatever, not everybody sees combat. Doesn't matter what country you're in. All right? So as I said, people, they say, you know, how can Christians possibly be battle-hardened? Every single day, from the moment we become Christians, we are at war. All right? We are at battle. We see combat. It is not a meta it is not a metaphor. All right? As I said before, you're not going to see Christians, all right, driving down the street in Humvees, all right? You're not going to see Christians in camouflage, all right? You're not going to see um you're not going to see Fighter jets fly by that says um, the Lord's army on the side dropping bombs. No. It's not a physical war. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkest against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, we fight an enemy that we cannot see. That we cannot see. Okay? That we don't know where this enemy is or when this enemy will come at us. And this is an everyday thing. And we know that this is going to, and as, Christ, as Christians, we know that this is going to happen every day. I can say, okay, tomorrow the devil is going to come at me in some sort of way. I can say that, and it can be the truth. It will be the truth. But at the same time, I don't know when the devil is going to attack. I don't. All right? And again, we're not supposed that's not something we're supposed to look forward to okay it's not that's not something we're supposed to look forward to all right but it is something that happens we as Christians we fight every day all right not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places.
All right. When we fight in this battle that Christian that Christians are constantly fighting. All right. You're not going to see something. We're not you're not going to see or we as Christians, we're not going to um, be able to say, you know, oh, right over there. There's a muzzle flash. That's where we got to shoot. That's where the enemy is. That's where that's where we have to, you know, that's who we have to get. We're not going to say that. Because we're not going to know where the enemy is going to come from, which way the enemy is going to come from. All right. And it's not like you see on these um, in these movies in these scary horror movies where they live, where these demons come. All right. With black sheets on their head and they're just floating off the ground. No. The devil uses people. All right. Now, can the devil really send his demons? Yes, he can. I don't know how to I don't I don't know how the devil operates. I don't know any of that. OK. OK. Um, but the devil uses people. He uses certain tactics that. It's very hard for Christians to the term I only term I could think of is get used to. All right. So we as Christians, from the moment we become Christian, from the moment we receive Christ's salvation, all right, it is very easy. For us to become battle hardened. It is not. In other words. It is not long before we become battle hardened. All right. Because when we receive salvation. We are thrown into. Basically we're thrown into the war. Against the devil. That's why we must put on the whole armor of God. That you may be that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is the whole armor of God? I'm going to tell you in a second. I'm going to tell you in a second. And again, for those um, who are in the military, who may be listening for those who maybe have seen combat in the past, who are in the mil who are in the military, um, or even in law enforcement that may be listening, you know, um, again, I'm just using this as a part of today's sermon. All right, um, I don't mean to hurt anybody in any kind of way. Because I know that a lot of people do suffer from this. All right. Still, we have to acknowledge that the Lord's army is a real army. All right. And fighting in the Lord's army 
is real, okay? It is real. So what does it mean to put on the whole armor of God? I just said that we as Christians must be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And in order for that to happen, we need to put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? I'm going to continue reading at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Remember verse 16, all right? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And remember verse 17, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm going to stop right there. Go back to verses 16 and 17. Okay. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Look at where it says shield of faith. You remember when I when um I had gave the introduction um how how the Bible can be used as an offensive and a defensive weapon. You remember how I said that whenever we read the Bible, one of the reasons why it's so important that we read the Bible is because as we read the Bible, we grow in our faith. We grow in our Christian faith. All right. As we read the Bible, not only do we grow in our Christian faith, but we remain strong in our Christian faith. All right. In Ephesians chapter six, verses 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith. We use the Bible as a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. 
as we read the Bible, we grow stronger in our faith. And that faith is our shield. This may be this may seem hard to understand for some people. But as you grow in the Lord, you begin to understand this more. And it's not always easy for me to explain. Okay. Now verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Look at where it says in the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. As I said, remember I, when I had said we use the Bible as an offensive weapon. The Bible is our sword. The Bible is our sword. The word of God is our sword. Of the spirit. The more we read the word of God, the more the Holy Spirit grows in us. The more knowledge we the more knowledge we gain about the Lord. As we read about him. All right. You know, as I had read, that paragraph that I had found on that one website, you know, all believers are called to be soldiers in the Lord's army. All believers are called to be soldiers in the Lord's army. And then go down some. I said, unfortunately, too many believers have dropped out of the Lord's army. They are AWOL or have deserted. Others feel as though they never even enlisted. That's so true. When we receive salvation, we are called to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. All right. Yes, we have different responsibilities and callings, but all should be actively engaged in the battle between good and evil, righteousness and sin light and darkness, faith and unbelief, abundance and lack, and ultimately God and Satan. We have the same mission, the same goal as soldiers in the Lord's army. All right? And when we become soldiers in the Lord's army, we are in it until we reach heaven. All right? There is no retiring from the Lord's army. 
All right. There is no retiring from the Lord's army in the fact that. All right. When you receive salvation, the way how that works is that once you receive Christ Jesus in your life. The way how that works is you surrender your life to God. Unfortunately, too many believers have dropped out of the Lord's army. So if too many believers have dropped out of the Lord's army, again, that leads me to my original question again. How can a Christian possibly be battle hardened if so many Christians just drop out of the Lord's army? Well, see, that's just it. We're not supposed to drop out of the Lord's army. Okay. We are supposed to fight until the Lord calls us to be with him. All right. Every single day in our lives, in our life, once we receive salvation, once we become Christians, is a fight. It is. All right. Yes, some days are better than others. Okay. <laughs> All right. But every day is a struggle. It's a beautiful struggle, yes. But every day, as Christians, we fight against the wiles of the devil. And that is what is expected of us until the Lord calls us home. And after so many years, yes, we do become battle-hardened. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. You see, what's going on right now is that Paul, he is about to die. Okay. Paul is about to die. Uh, I think Paul, if I'm not mistaken, is in his 80s. All right. His lower mid 80s. Okay. So I'm going to guess and say that Paul and this is just a number I'm throwing out there okay I'm not 100% sure on this I'm going to go ahead and say that for the past 45 years now Paul has been a minister unto the Gentiles Paul has been doing the Lord's work. For the past 45 years, Paul has been an ambassador for Christ. Okay. Now, you see, as soon as Saul, because before, you know, there was Paul, his name was Saul. As soon as Saul had received salvation, as soon as Saul had converted to Christianity, okay, okay. 
As soon as Saul had converted to Christianity, he had he had joined in the battle against the devil, okay? He became the devil's enemy, all right? See, for so long, Saul was persecuting Christians. He was being used by the devil, all right? And then in a few seconds... All right. Paul was no longer fighting for the devil. Paul was now on the good side. Paul, he or Saul, rather, I should say, was now on the Lord's side. He was now on the good side. And as soon as he joined the Lord's side, he became the enemy of the devil and the devil said, OK, that's how you're going to play it. You're, you're going to switch sides on me. Hmm? All right. Now you have become my enemy. Devil says, you know, I've left you alone for so long. I never messed with you for so long. You know. I. I let you do your thing for so long and you're just going to switch on me. All right. Now you're my enemy. And just like that, as soon as Saul had turned to Christianity, had been converted to Christianity, he joined the battle against the devil. He joined the battle between God and the devil. Between righteousness and unrighteousness. Between light and darkness. Between good and evil. Faith and unbelief. Okay. Now, years later, as I said, I'm just throwing a number out there. Paul is now toward the end of his life. Okay? He is about to be executed. All right? Some may say martyred. All right? For his belief. All right? Paul is about to be martyred for believing in Christ Jesus. All right. Christ Jesus is about to take Paul home to be with him in heaven. And Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also those who have loved his appearing. 
Paul says how he has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. Paul never dropped out of the army of the Lord. Paul never deserted the army of the Lord. There are people, all right, that the Bible describes in the New Testament who has actually left the Lord's army. Or who have desert or who has deserted the Lord's army. The Bible describes those people very well, in fact. At first, Paul describes them as good people, and later on, he describes how they how those same people have had a negative impact on Christianity. So there are people like that in the Bible. But Paul says that he has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. That's what it means to be a soldier in the Lord's army. That's what it means to be a battle-hardened soldier in the Lord's army. And once you become battle-hardened, you have experience as a Christian. And the more battle-hardened you become, the less fear you have, the more willing you are to fight for the Lord, the more passion and the more love you have for the Lord. All right? The more you are willing to stand up for the Lord, and the more willing you are If it should ever happen, you are to die for the Lord. All right. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we as Christians should say, you know, oh, I want to die for the Lord. I'm not saying we need to go around that saying we need to go around saying that every day. We must be willing to die for the Lord, yes. And the more battle-hardened we are, yes. Okay. We are willing to die for the Lord. All right. Still. And I'm going to close right there and I'm going to close with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for the reading of your word, Heavenly Father. I thank you for all that you have given us, O Lord God. I pray, O oh Lord God, that you just continue to give us wisdom, knowledge, and the understanding and the reading of your word, O oh Lord God, and that you help us to apply it to our everyday life. Thank you for your many blessings, O oh Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for listening today. And before I leave, I'm going to leave you with this verse. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Thank you.